Welcome to Activate Yourself with Gita Sidhu Rob, where we feature otherwise normal people who, because of events in their life, have turned left and done unusual, inspiring, incredible things like build a business, become a happiness expert, marry a prince, create an empire, or like your host, set up a health and wellness business, Nosh Detox. Here's your host, Gita Sidhu Rob. Hi, my name is Gita Sidhu-Rob and this is Activate Yourself. And as always, we, well, I go around finding women that I like, finding women that I find interesting, just women that catch my attention because um, I'm a raging womanist and I think that there are so many immensely satisfying women out there. And I happened to be talking on something and, um, and there was a deeply satisfying woman that came on and talked about several touch points and I was like come on as a guest and I leapt on the woman and brought um the amazing Joe Hunter to spend time with us because she has 120,000 people on her challenge and I'm like how the hell do 120,000 people joining <laughs> you know Kim Kardashian she had long COVID and recovered and I love that she forces people to take time off when she works with them and you know I just there were all those really do you know what I mean like interesting stuff in that so I thought I'd just borrow her for a bit for you guys to get inspired and to enjoy her and to get on with her and you know that so Joe, welcome wow it's lovely to be here what an introduction thank you <laughs> so welcome it's so nice to see you I don't even know where to start let's so you run an organization called 64 million artists that's right what is yeah that? So there is called 64 million artists because we believe that everyone is creative and that when we are creative, we can make change in our lives and in the world around us. And when we named the business, it was there were 64 million people in the UK. <laughs> there are now about 68 million uh, in the UK, uh, but we think the name is fine uh so yeah that's what uh, that's what we do and so we work with people all over the country to essentially catalyze the creativity of everyone in the uk and we do some of that through big public challenges like the january challenge which we're in the middle of now which you were just talking about has 120,000 people oh, all taking- 120,000 people on your challenge i'm like i yeah. love that how do you do that? <laughs> well so we're in year entrepreneurs podcast or- <laughs> So what we're really key, one of the things that we know, so, we, so the January challenge started uh, 10 years ago uh, and it started because, so I had originally done that, you know, so I was um, really struggling, burnt out and I got, I took a month off work and I asked different people to set me different creative challenges to do every day and it kind of totally changed my life. Um, and so then the very first year that I thought, let's do this as a job, <laughs> I invited friends on Facebook to do it and 200 people did it. And then the next year 400 people did it and then it sort of kept doubling because people kind of I think were really inspired by it but and then they would tell their friends and they would tell their friends and then uh, and we always just did it for free like we just kind of did it as something that we were kind of offering but a few years ago we started to get really serious about it for two reasons one that we really recognized that that model was working that kind of passing it on model but due to the nature of it and it being me you know a lot of the people that were doing it were looked like me sounded like me you know that and that because we're passing it on to people that are friends and friends so what we started to think was actually what we want to do is have all every day a different person setting a challenge so this year we've got Michael Rosen who's a poet but we've also got Crystal Lowe today who's the um who's a Welsh dancer who's setting a poem all about dancing outside so we've got different artists 
doing completely different things. But also community groups. We're working with the Joe Cox Foundation. We're working with uh, Warm Space at Warm Welcome Campaign. Uh, and so basically, it's all about the power of network, essentially. So, you know, they pass it on to their friends who pass it on to them. We're, and and also the amazing thing about the January Challenge is it's absolutely loads of content. So we have a, you know, we have a reach of about 8 million. And that was last year when only 50,000 people were taking part because so many people are kind of sharing what they're doing, feeling really enthusiastic about what they're doing and passing it on to the next person, passing it on to the next person. So it's all about participating and doing but it's also about championing and getting other people in and so it's that that power of the yeah the community essentially but when you say what define for me one challenge like what's a challenge what's it like or oh, two or three different days like you've got yeah. one days of it yeah what, what did you do yesterday today and the day before so today i've the today the challenge is to dance outside <laughs> uh nice and simple which was brilliant i went out in the absolute freezing cold it was you know below zero today um and but it totally it was also a lovely day today because it's bright and sunny um, yesterday the challenge was to pick up a pen of a color that you're drawn to and draw how you're feeling um and the day before that was about imagining a peaceful place or the place that you find the most peaceful and either drawing it or writing about it you know there's been michael rosen set one that was write a poem about your earliest memory the my favorite so far has been um just to sing out loud and that was a really beautiful day to you know because I sit, I love to sing and I just always sort of forget to do it. Um, and I think we were saying today in our team meeting that, you know, obviously dancing outside can be something that you think, oh, am I really going to do it? It's cold. But the ones that kind of require you to go slightly more out of your comfort zone are the best ones because then you come out and you're really like fired up for the day, which is great. So but it's always free, always free. And you should never need any resources to do it. You should always just be able to do it with kind of what you can find to hand. And you film it and then put it up. I do. Yeah. But loads of people take part, you know, when we first started, it very much felt like a kind of social media campaign, whereas now, you know, people take part in libraries, they take part in care homes, they're doing it in schools, they're doing it in workplaces. So there's stuff happening online, but it's also, yeah, happening under the radar all over the place. (laughs) I love that. So where would people find it on 64millionartists.com? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go and actually sign up and see what happens. How do you make money out of this? What's your ROI on this? I mean, so, there's loads of ROI on it. How do you make money out of this? How yeah, do you- we don't make a lot of money on the January Challenge. The January Challenge, we do sometimes get funded for. So we're currently funded by Arts Council England and Esme Fairburn Foundation for lots of things, but but that is part of it. But the way, but we use it as a way to raise the profile of everyday creativity and to kind of get loads of people participating. Uh, and then most of the way that we fund it is that we uh we take profit from, so we're a non-profit organization so we take profit from other areas of the business and we put it into the public campaign so we make money by running leadership programs so we do a lot of work on sort of supporting people uh like we we work with a lot of higher education a lot of university russell group universities take working with um senior academics to help them think about their next big idea for research and kind of take that sort of from purpose through to kind of execution you know how are you sort of talking about it how are you engaging people so we do that and then we also work with you know uh, local authorities cultural organizations other organizations across 
the country either thinking about how do you get how do you basically it's all around how do you use creativity to engage people in an idea or to help with their well-being or to help you know to support creativity in a in a place whether that's a workplace or you know in a local authority or a community well, I was going to say, I wonder, I, I was saying to you before we came on that um, as an Indian, nobody cared about creativity. They were like, just go be a good lawyer, darling. Accountant, <laughs> marriage or death. Um, and so I was, I, my question was going to be, how does creativity help you do that? And then I was laughing because when I do all these um, personality kind of profile things, which I don't willingly do, it must be said, um, the thing that comes up the most is I'm highly creative and I really struggle to see myself as that person. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, I'm an innovator. I understand being innovative, but I don't understand being creative. Why do we, why do you teach leaders? Why do you need leadership to be creative? Well, so I think, you know, I think creativity is often now, like people think of it as synonymous with arts, you know, like drama or dance, yes. or music or whatever. Anybody Indian. <laughs> <laughs> But I think, but I think, you know, my favourite definition of it is the ability to transcend traditional rules, ideas and patterns and make new ones. And to me, that's like the most essential quality that we can all have. And I think it's also that, you know, I also think it's really important in terms of equity to think about the fact that we can all do that, because if we're saying some people are creative and some people aren't, that's still not okay if you're talking about drawing or drama or whatever, but it's really important when you're saying you can make up the rules and you can't make up the rules. And that's what makes me feel really passionate about it, that actually we should all have a really active, we should all, you know, feel connected enough to ourselves and the world to feel like we can play an active role in our own lives, basically. I thought that was called rebellion because I def- definitely define myself as that. I did not know that was a definition of creativity. I'm like, burn it all down and start again. Let's Absolutely. <laughs> I'm so with you that I'm embracing that with totally. I swear I've never heard that definition before. Yeah, it's a great one. It is a dictionary definition. And, you know, I think that that you know, that's what's been lost. And that's why I think we need a kind of creative revolution, because I feel like we all need to kind of embrace that side of ourselves that says, you know, this isn't right. Let's do something differently. And let's let's, you know, a lot of we do a lot of work around company culture in our own culture, but also with other people. And I just am constantly surprised by the amount of bad practice that happens because people are just thinking, oh, well, we always did it that way. Or, you know, that's that's the status quo. Yeah. No, completely. Okay, we're going to go for a quick break. And then when we come back, I was going to ask something else, but I want to go more into this because um, I find it fascinating. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. Okay, so we're back. Um, when you say, like, because I look at the UK now, I've spent the weekend talking to my children who are older. Um, I'm now lying about their age because they're too old. I've decided this <laughs> and that they really need to focus on this crap, frankly speaking. And we're talking about, you know, 
what they're going to do and how. And I, and I struggle because I look around at a, this country that I love, that I've lived in, and I've never wanted to live anywhere else. I love London. Um, and I try not to conflate London with the rest of the UK because I know the UK is so diverse in so many different places. But I can't see my children's future here anymore. And I really struggle with that because I fought, I ran the anti-Brexit campaign and I fought madly for that not to happen. So... It, and that's one of the things that I really struggle with, because I think that none of the young people that I speak to feel like their future is here. And I feel like they don't feel they can be creative here. I feel like they don't feel they can trust. Because I think there is a certain thing of creativity that comes from having a level of trust. I think the more that you trust yourself, the more creative you can be. The more that you are in a secure space, the more innovative you can be to use what I'm really comfortable with and I I fear for that what what you know because because politicians are definitely not meant to be creative and yet that seems to be where creativity starts and stops for us yeah and I think you know one of the things that sort of scares me and yet I see a massive potential you know it, it is this thing of like it feels like there are lots and lots of old systems and patterns that are die dying or they're reaching the end of their use and that and what feels like it's happening is people are kind of clinging on for dear life and that's why we're getting more and more right wing well or more and more polarized at least you know that would happen that things are happening at the other end and to me it does take a lot of creativity to kind of dance in the middle and say but also have the confidence to say that is done like we should be done with that we shouldn't we should stop trying to kind of work around the edges and like you said maybe we do there are things that we need to burn down but to me that's why at the moment what it feels like is happening is that there are very few people at the who are wealthy or privileged or have a certain say in the way things go that are making all the rules whereas actually what we need is more people to feel like they are creative that you know to have those tools to say because I think everyone is creative, you know, 64 million people already are, 68 million are already creative. We don't need to make them creative. We are, we know we are, because we are one we're little. Already existent as opposed to, exactly. you're mining for the creativity, not inventing it. Definitely. And it's being educated out of us. It's being squeezed out of us at work. Whereas actually, if we could change those, if we can start to change the systems around education and work, we can create a sort of body of people who are like who are not only able to question but have ideas you know like that that can say actually let's do it like this let's innovate let's try yeah and I you know I want to I'm a completely relentless optimist in, the, in life you know that is I how I get through it because I've but. always thought that if it, I can't see it, I'll make it. If I can't make it, I'll inspire it. If I can't inspire it, I'll empower it. You know, I've always been that person. I look around now and I'm like, oh, I don't, I'm not even sure I could. And and yeah, it 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 it's slightly deflating. I wanted to talk to you just slight pivot here about long COVID, because I have I sort of I famously had long COVID last year and was bedridden six times and didn't. I really struggled and it paid a very, very high price for that. Um, but I went from somebody who did CrossFit four times a week in, in, in 2022 um, and worked out and did everything to, to like struggling to climb upstairs in 2023. And so 2020, or is it, no, no, hang on. Long COVID was 22. So 21 was, was CrossFit, 22 was COVID, <laughs> and 23 was convalescence because there's... <laughs> yeah. Um, so talk to me about yours, because it's just unbelievable how much we struggle with this. 
Absolutely. So I got it very much like right in the beginning of COVID. You know, we locked down in March, whatever it was, what March 2020, and I got it. I got COVID then, essentially. Um, and so one of the things that was really fascinating was that thing of people, you know, there was a lot of skepticism, wasn't there, at the beginning about what it was. And really? lots of people were really like, did you really have it? And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it feels pretty real to me. Um, but also that we were in the pandemic. So we were, you know, we weren't allowed out anyway. So it was this, it was a really debilitating time physically in that I was, you know, as you say, you know, unable, lived in a flat, luckily didn't have to climb the stairs, but, you know, couldn't go to the shops, couldn't take my kid to the park or, you know, I'd wake up and think that I could, oh, I feel much better today. And then I'd do something like that, really small and really simple and come home and that would be it, you know, for three or four days, I'd be completely in bed again. Um, And I think it was, it was horrible and it was, you know, really depressing. But I think what it also did was, you know, I have been someone that has found it very, very difficult to kind of value the importance of rest. And yet I kind of, you know, I was forced to do that. I had I had to rest. I you know, long COVID, wasn't it? Understanding rest. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was absolutely the, the a game changer for me. Um it was like you know suddenly my body was like right I am in charge and you are no longer <laughs> going to be running around you are going to wait and you are going to get better from this and I think what I what really I really felt the benefits of it I really so as much as I struggled as much it was awful and I would never do it again for the learning experience but I would say that it completely changed my way of working because it meant that I couldn't overwork I couldn't um, run around doing everything obviously I couldn't do that because of the pandemic anyway so it really made me pause and rest and and really value the importance of rest not just for me but for other people around me well, and rethink how you perform yeah absolutely because I was much clearer I was much you know I made better decisions I was more efficient I, I could see with much more clarity what was important and what wasn't um, and so now we take you know, every year we take the whole of August off as a company, we work a four day week, you know, we have really decent holiday allowance on top of that, because I really value now, you know, when you stop, when you rest, when you reflect, you're actually much better at your job. I agree, because I, I, I coach uh, almost entirely full time now, and um, which happened to me over the pandemic. And one of the things I did is that when my clients are going on long plane trips, is I always, I always stagger the coaching to hit a particular concept before they hit a plane trip because um, I know they have to, and I was saying this to, I was having lunch with a client um, and I said, you're traveling, aren't you? I was like, good, can we go call him before? And she was like, we were talking about it. I was like, you don't know, do you, that I always book this so that, and she was like, oh, we've coached <laughs> you've never told me. And I'm like, okay, but, I, but it's a thing, isn't it? Because there's a space where, like Wi-Fi should never be allowed on, on airplanes, really, because there's just a space where you do exhale. And then that piece, I think, in my language, allows your energetic body and your physical and mental bodies to kind of come into alignment. And when they're in alignment and they're all joined up, you're the holist version of you. And then it's a completely different space you're operating from. Absolutely. Like, I feel like I do some of my best. I've been having a real wrestle because I travel um, into London from I live in Stroud and Gloucester. It's, it's not that far. It's only an hour and a half, but it is the train. And I do it, you know, a couple of times a week or whatever. And at first I was like, this is brilliant. I'm really getting through my work here. It's re- I'm really efficient. But actually, there have been a couple of times recently where 
I haven't had something to do or, you know, whatever. And actually I've just found myself looking out the window and my mate, my brain starts doing that thing with like, oh yeah, in this program, I could totally. And you're like, this is what I should be doing on this train because it's so perfect. I shouldn't be trying to do all my admin. I should be trying to use it for just brain space. And because that, yeah, that's where it really, I really, I'm, or I know, you know, I can prove it. I can, you know, we doubled our turnover both times that we've taken August off. It's, there's a very, very clear it's <laughs> on August off. And yet it's so hard. We're so wired, aren't we? Not to not think that. Well, to, well, we must be at our desks doing emails. That's work. <laughs> well, because the French do that, don't they? They actually get to, to August and they just close everything down. And I've always envied that um, because I used to do that with my business. Then it got too big and there was so much demand and people were just like, well, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, Okay, then so we're going to go for a quick break. We're going to come back. Um, I want to touch when we come back on how you use creativity to help with panic and stress and burnout, because I'm really interested to hear more about that. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. The station that makes you feel good. Okay, so we're back. Um, how do you use creativity with panic, stress, and burnout? So I think for me, it really the so the initial time. So when I you know I was having really bad panic attacks, really bad burnout, and I took this month off work. And I think for me. The biggest thing was realizing it, that it I was so being so relentless in my kind of pursuit of you know of working hard, of getting things right, of being good, of getting you know being achieving things. And I think what creativity really helped me realize was actually failing is really important. Risk is yes, really important. Getting things wrong. Failure all the time. Yeah, exactly. And like. I feel like creativity and certainly the way that we do it, where it's like a little bit every day and it's it's very much sort of, you know, you know, giving you a manageable size bit of creativity. It's like more stress because of this. Exactly. It's like train I think it's like training yourself to not be afraid to fail and training yourself to try something new. And this feeling that you get when you do something creative and you think, I I did that thing that I never thought I could do, partly because I'd never challenged, you know, why would I ever think about how high could I build a tower out of all of the junk that's in my living room or something, you know, of course I wouldn't have thought of that. But then I think it sort of helps sort of train this bit of your brain to think I can do things I didn't think I could do. Like I can, you know, I can challenge, you know, I can do beyond my current capacity. And I also think it helps you uh, with thinking it doesn't matter if it doesn't work out. It doesn't matter. I am yeah. a failure because this thing did not work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, it's so, it's just how so many of us are wired. And I think it Why is. Women in particular though. <laughs> because, because we have, you know, and I think when, obviously when we first met, you were talking about this, this kind of, that so much of what we do is about external validation. And that we're so, we're not taught from a young age to validate ourselves internally like we're not we're it's very much about what do you look like what do you and so actually we feel very out of control of how we operate in the world and we're very much kind of waiting for other people to 
I'm saying this in general, obviously, I know loads of women who are no longer like this, but I would say, you know. The fact that they're not like that shows us the ones that remain. I'm sorry, I work in this field and I'm with you on that. Yeah, and I re- and it really makes me sad, partly because it was exactly how I operated for most of my life. And it's still something I'm constantly unlearning all the time. But I do think, you know, that is something that um, is is huge for women is like we have to, you know, we ha- we're trying to fit in in this particular way and often a way in which we are palatable and acceptable to men. <laughs> of. Yeah, I, I was saying that this morning to a client I was coaching. I think that, and I, I think I said this on the talk, that it doesn't matter if you're world, world globally famous or not. Within us is that concept of how women never quite feel safe. Mm-hmm. And that we couldn't feel safe because if we got pregnant alone, we weren't, we didn't survive. We couldn't feed ourselves. We couldn't protect ourselves. And that's such a deep visceral reaction, which is still built into the way that we operate because it's so patriarchal how we operate, right? You know, and and there's a place where you've got to consciously root that out. And if you don't consciously become aware, I speak to women every day and I talk about this. They're like, yeah, but really? And they don't know their head and their bodies are connected. Mm. And I'm kind of like, I don't know how to have this conversation. You literally don't. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it defeats me and I have to, it's why I worked in weight loss for 15 years and I have a recognized brand. And I, this year I was like, I will shoot myself. I will not do this anymore. I can't bear the tragedy of watching women starve themselves into submission it's horrible no and I think you're absolutely right and I I also think it's partly you know we have operated in a system like this for so long you know one of the things that I notice myself doing is that I find it scary like I notice myself coming into my power and I think actually would it just be easier not to do this you know like will I will people still love me if I am as powerful as I want to be will people still engage with me will I still have friends will I still can I still be a good mom can I still be a decent wife like and actually that's the trick isn't it like you know that's the thing that we are you know that's how we have been kept down previously is by that that narrative and that's why I think creativity that's why I like the medium of creativity because I think it in the same way that obviously I you know I think other ways are equally valid but the thing about that creativity does well I think is that you know someone who wouldn't go to therapy might do some creative stuff and find that it has a real outlet for their thoughts and feelings because you know it doesn't feel as scary it feels like a sort of soft way in and in the same way that someone might not think I'm going to step into my power they might do something like this as a sort of as fun like yeah, they'll start to do it as fun and then all these additional benefits that they have will, will sort of come up within them without them having without them doing it as a conscious thing and I think sometimes that's just a less scary way to start and uh, and it feels like it yeah I really love that that makes so much sense I was just thinking my eldest son he has a very small because he was uh, he's anaphylactic so an asthma an ex-man so he had cardiorespiratory arrest and died and had to resuscitate and and, and was in hospital so much from five, six months old. And I look, I'm thinking about what you're saying when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm hearing you say this, and I'm like, it would be such a good thing for him because his world can be very small. You know, it can get deeply, deeply small because there's a level of safety in however small our world is. And in fact, you know, you need to find ways to, to make that box bigger. And it's the same as being globally famous. Your world becomes very small because you're not safe, you know, to, to be seen. And then it's we take a through line from there all across to women, you know, to, to where do we feel safe? What, I, I really like that. That's so interesting that you've really made me think 100 percent differently around this because I never had any of those thoughts before. 
That's great. And yeah, I think I think that the, you know, one of the things I really love, so we have a lot of people taking part actually who are disabled or who have chronic health conditions, who have long COVID. And one of the things that we always say is, you know, whenever there's a challenge, even today, you know, for dancing outside, just like, obviously, if you can't go outside, that's fine. But, you know, I know lots of people who have done it in the way that feels safe to them or, or not just safe, but the way that feels they're able to do it. You know, so we had a woman who did everything you know was completely you know was in bed for the whole of January so you know it would do them in her head and would then think about them and talk about them you know it just from there like everything she did she just did it in the way that she was able to and I think that's the thing you know sometimes we are at a point and, and I have you know obviously I've done this for now for 10 years and so I can really see there have been years where I'm like yeah I'm up for it I'm so excited to do the January challenge and there have been years where I'm like oh god do I have to do it today? I've had to do it because, you know, I'm tired, I'm stressed, my kids are small, my husband isn't well, like everything's hard. And so it's that thing of like, oh, I'm just going to do this little thing. And every year, every year, I am always so surprised and you to be like, oh my God, this really works. It's really good. It, it like genuinely is a good thing. God, I love that. That is so cool. So tell us where everybody can find you. So, yeah, you can find us at 64 Million Artists, which we're across kind of, you know, the usual social channels and 64millionartists.com. Um, and it's called The January Challenge. So if you if you search the hashtag The January Challenge across any of those platforms, you'll be able to see how people are joining in and you'll be able to see what everyone else has been getting up to. I love that. That's just so cool. It's been a pleasure. I see. I knew I was right to have you on. I knew that... <laughs> And I knew I'd learned something. So my instinct. So thank you very much, Joe. I really appreciate you guys. Go check out Joe Hunter at 64millionartists.com. I signed up while we were talking because I'm that type of person. Um, and I can't wait to see and learn and hear more about it. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much, Gita. This is Activate Yourself. My name is Gita Sidhu Rob, and thank you so much for joining me. And I hope that this is something that will inspire you immensely because I do think so much of the time when I'm feeling stuck, when I'm tired, when I'm scared, particularly when I'm scared, my world shrinks to my fear and I can't see outside of my fear. I can't see outside of myself and my stomach clenches, my, my, my solar plexus clenches and, and, and I can't, you know, there's a place where everything becomes very small. And one of the joys of creativity or or you know whatever it is that you want to call it but basically creativity is that it will be a sweet soft gentle way for you to expand your horizons and I am a huge fan for you to do that so let me know how you manage that and let Joe know how you manage that and thank you so much for joining us Thank you so much for joining us. Our goal was to give you pause, make you think about your life and inspire you to say, wow, what if I tried to do that? If they can do it, so can I. Did it work? Let us know by finding us on social media at Gita Sidhu Rob or at Nosh Detox. We upload new shows every two weeks here. And if you start to miss us, check us out on YouTube.